Greetings and welcome back to another Daily Walk. Well, today we want to talk a little bit about worship and what it really means and what it really is because there's some discussion about and some misconceptions about what is and what is not worship. Before we dive on into that topic, you can have a look at the website at ourwalkinchrist.com. You can get links to this stream on a variety of podcasts or onto YouTube. We are also on BitChute, all at Our Walk in Christ. And you can also jump in on some of the social media sites. So we have Twitter, Gab, Minds. Go ahead and share these videos far and wide if you are so inclined. Now on to worship. Some people in this modern era, we seem to think that worship has more to do with the, the musical portion before the sermon. So you go into church and, you know, the, the worship leader gets up and starts playing on his guitar. And if you go to like a big church growth church, it's a full-fledged concert that's designed to invoke emotion, whether or not they're even using Christian songs. I mean, there's one church that famously did Highway to Hell as their worship lead. Go figure. All right, all right sure, let's all go to hell, I guess. Um, and then, you know, other groups do these things. There's one that was like, a, was it like Church on the Move or something? I think they dressed as like the Grinch that stole Christmas and did some choreographed dance. I don't know. Um, but anyway, many people look at that as worship, the the song portion. Of course, if you go to a better church, they'll at least be singing some of the modern, you know, praise and worship music, as we call it, praise and worship, which in and of itself, I, I, I prefer the old hymns. They were written by theologians who knew music. More often than not, a lot of the modern music we have is written by people who are clueless of theology. They sound cool. They have a lot of God-sounding words, but oftentimes the, the message, the theology is totally devoid. Not always. Uh, but the point is, is that the worship leading up to the sermon, that's not the worship. Worship is the entire counsel of God. Worship includes portions of the, the tithing. It includes the sermon, the word. It includes the music. It includes the prayer. It even includes the fellowship. Worship is a much broader topic than simply going in and singing some, some songs, whether that be hymns from a hymnal or whether that be you know reading off of the the regular rock style music that we get in some churches and neither one of those is inherently good or inherently bad except maybe singing highway to hell is the lead up to your worship um but with this we find a illustrative portion in john chapter 4 and this is where jesus is talking to the samaritan woman now this is odd because a man wouldn't speak to a woman in the culture let alone speak to a samaritan woman in the culture and she's all surprised why are you talking to me a samaritan woman when you are a man a male jew and this is uh this is an interesting discussion um because he really gets in here and starts talking about who she is and telling her that he has this eternal water and she's like what are you greater than Jacob who gave us as well he's like yeah I mean actually uh-huh and then he goes in and says hey go and get your husband and she says I don't have a husband he said I know you don't have a husband I was seeing if you were honest you had five husbands and the guy you currently have is not your husband ah and so she's like she comes down to this bottom line it's like hmm okay she says I perceive that you are a prophet in John 4.19. So you find somebody who really truly knows God. You're like, okay, I now see that you're a prophet. Okay, you're great. You're a prophet. Awesome. You're a prophet. Can you please tell me 
this question. I got one question. I mean, think about that. If you have one question, if you found somebody who you knew spoke for God, you want to ask one question, you know, why is there suffering in the world? Is it okay to be gay? You know, all these different difficult questions we get thrown out left and right, you know. Uh, maybe maybe you want to be the, the snide guy and ask if God is all-powerful. Can he himself make a rock that he's it's too big for him to lift, you know. You get all these. If you could have one question to ask of somebody who truly speaks for God, what would it be? Well, her question is this. In verse 20. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and people say that in Jerusalem is the place where man ought to worship. So she's like, what's real worship? Because you have to understand that in the Jewish law, uh, set forth in, in multiple places, Deuteronomy being one of them, it is commanded, you will gather together here at this temple in Jerusalem to worship God. That's why there's so much battling over the city of Jerusalem even to this day. 2,000 years later, they're still fighting over the city of Jerusalem. All right. And uh, all the crusades were fought over. There's these back and forth with the different different um, Muslims and Christians battling for Jerusalem. And then the idea is that we need to have this temple here to worship. This is what is commanded. Now, when the when the Israelites uh, were conquered by the Assyrians and the Babylonians, the Jewish people who were remained, who were not carried away by the Assyrians, remained and started intermarrying with all the people, and this produced the Samaritan population, which Samaria is in the northern kingdom of Israel, and this became the de facto capital during the divided nations. You had Samaria on one, and you had uh, Jerusalem in the other. And so because of the purity of the laws and the people recognized that God wants separation, they started to see the Samaritans who were intermarried Jews mixed with other nations as being defiled people and they wouldn't want anything to do with them. And so this is what brings us up. And so to compensate for this, they wanted an element of Judaism, but they weren't allowed to come to Jerusalem to worship. So they set up their own altar on top of a mountain. And that's what she's talking about. Now, the temple where they had worshipped was destroyed at, um, around this time. And so they're not worshipping in a temple. They're just now worshipping on the mountain on the ruins of the temple at this time that Jesus comes by. And so she asks, should we worship on the mountain or is true worship done in Jerusalem? And he says to her this in verses 21 through 24. Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither this mountain nor... In Jerusalem, you shall worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, it is now, now, and now is, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Right, and then it ends that she's like, okay, you're the Messiah. I got it. But we want to focus on what he says here. So an hour is coming when neither this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. So he's saying, hey, any time is coming when the current ideas of worship, no more. No more. Verse 22. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. This is one of the few declarative statements that Jesus makes regarding uh, different areas. So oftentimes when somebody's questioning him things, he'll give them back a paradox where it's still not always completely clear what he wants to say. 
Now it is when we read it and we understand the context, but he's basically assaulting them on the basis of their rules and on their laws. One of the few statements, this is one of them, salvation is from the Jews, a truth declarative statement. There is no salvation outside the Jews. This is one of these very firm things he says. Now I know a lot of people are like, what do you mean there's lies? I can't go through all of the examples, but it's like, here's an example. Okay, I'll just give you a couple of them here. Should we pay taxes or not? Well, render to Caesar what is Caesar's, render to God what is God's. Very interesting. It is a very declarative statement, but he doesn't directly answer their question. Okay, there's, um, are you the Messiah? You say it's so. You have a lot of these. If you study the answers that Jesus gives, you see a lot of these. The only other one of these where he makes such a declarative statement and actually sides with a person is, should we, uh, this is uh, in, I think it's in Matthew 19, where it's a discussion about divorce. Is it lawful to divorce your wife for any reason? Because Moses said to give, to give out um, a divorce certificate. This is another one of the firm places. He says, no, God meant for everyone to stay together. He was allowed to give a certificate of divorce because of your hardened hearts. Now, they asked him this question because there were two scholars of the day who had prevailing and conflicting views. We, you had uh, Shammai and you had Hillel. Shammai, let's see, uh, I think Hillel taught that, hey, you could divorce your wife for any reason because she's your property. Shammai says, no, you can't divorce your wife for any reason under the sun. You only under deep marital infidelity. So Jesus actually takes a side with one of the leaders, teaching leaders of the day. And so that's one of the very rare places. And we see the other instance of it here that salvation is of the Jews. That's what he says. And then verse 23, An hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. In other words, you don't worship on the mountain. You don't worship in Jerusalem. You worship in your spirit. You worship with the truth. What is this? Truth is in the word of God. The spirit is, con uh, is found with prayer. The heart of God, the mind of God, as I like to say. And I like this next line here because this is yet another one of these very subtle but very distinct things that says, yes, there is an elect and God seeks them out because he says in the conclusion of this verse, such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. Sounds kind of like John 6, No one can come to the Father except that the Father draws him. So we find this instance. And then verse 24, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So worship isn't going into church. It's not the portion before the sermon. It is a heart. It is an attitude. It is a lifestyle. You're constantly living out your days, worshiping God. You're worshiping him in prayer. You're worshiping him in the word. You are worshiping him when you are involved in the uh, when you are involved in, in the in the music portion and involved in the sermon and involved in the giving and involved in the communion, the point is our life should be a worship before God. Worship isn't something that we do on Sunday morning. Worship is something that we do daily and hourly through the word and through prayer and through seeking a constant fellowship with God. And that is the point he was making, that it's not bound to a specific locality. It is bound to a specific attitude of the heart. So that is worship. And we will leave you with that today. Let me know if that helps you out, if you have any other questions about that. And uh, we will see you in the next podcast. Thank you for tuning in. 
Our Walk in Christ podcast is a listener-supported presentation. For more information about how you can help, check out ourwalkinchrist.com forward slash support or our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Tom M. That's T-O-M-M. Digital and paperback books are available on several online bookstores or at our website. Once again, the website is ourwalkinchrist.com.